You're listening to Comedy Central. July 31st, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Singer and songwriter Skylar Gray is joining us, everybody. A really amazing performer. We're going to be chatting with her, and she's performing later on in the show, so stay tuned. But first, let's get straight into the news. And today, I'm going to be honest, there is a lot of news, almost too much news. Luckily, though, too much news is just the right amount of news for a segment we call Ain't Nobody Got Time For That. Beyonce. She took over Coachella, she took over the Louvre, and now she's taking over Vogue. Beyonce has reportedly been given control over the cover of the September issue of Vogue. The singer selected a black photographer to shoot the cover. It'll be the first time that's happened in the magazine's 126-year history. How is that possible? Yeah, that's right. Beyonce will be the first guest to be given complete control of Vogue magazine's September issue cover, which is the holy grail of fashion. And on top of that, she's hired a black photographer to shoot the cover. Yeah, which is insane. <laughs> I'm, I'm just excited because it's finally a good headline with the words black person and shoot in it. This is dope. <laughs> this is so dope. And you know what, what's funny about this story is that by having the first black photographer shoot their cover, they've inadvertently exposed that they've never had a black photographer <laughs> shoot their cover. In 126 years. Like, if they hadn't fixed this mistake, we probably would have never realized, you know? It's sort of like when a beverage company starts advertising, they're like, now, with real juice. You're like, what the f- was I drinking before? <laughs> and this story has once again brought up the conversation of how the fashion industry has so often taken inspiration from people of color without actually involving them. And if we had the time, we would get into that. But we've got to move on, because the country of Zimbabwe is also looking to make a big change. High turnout and high hopes in Zimbabwe's historic election. Votes are being counted in the first election in 37 years without former President Robert Mugabe on the ballot. They queued in the dark. And as the sun rose on Zimbabweans waiting to cast their vote, there was an unprecedented feeling of optimism. I feel so excited. There's freedom in the air. I would expect the counting to take place quickly and for the announcement of the result to be done as quickly as possible. So, congratulations to Zimbabwe on hosting its first democratic elections in 37 years. 37 years. Because that's how long Robert Mugabe was a dictator for. And if you in America don't know what it feels like to have a strong man in power for that long, don't worry, you will. (laughs) You know what's, what's funny about Robert Mugabe? What's funny about Robert Mugabe is that he was in power for all this time, and technically he held elections, but he just wouldn't allow any opposition onto the ballots. But then they would still have the elections, they would still count the ballots, and then he would still act surprised when he won. Like, they would count, and then he'd be like, oh, I hope I get it, I hope I get it, who's president? Oh, I won again, I can't believe it! Oh, I can't believe it! Oh, I can't believe I beat myself. 
Now, if we had the time, we could talk about how this is only the beginning of Zimbabwe's difficult road back to being economically successful on the continent. But we just don't have the time. Because while Zimbabwe is celebrating a president, Akron, Ohio is celebrating a king. He is known as King James, and now some might be calling him LeBron the Headmaster. The basketball superstar opened an elementary school in his hometown with every single detail carefully designed to change students' lives. In his new school named I Promise, 240 third and fourth graders identified as needing support chosen for the first classes. No matter uh, if I'm playing in Los Angeles or not, Akron, Ohio is always home for me. Always. Wow. Yeah, wow. That is such an amazing and heartwarming story. And I love the way LeBron was like, I'm leaving Ohio forever, and I'm building a school. I'm building a school. What was the first part? Never mind, never mind. And now some people are asking why LeBron needed to open a school. But you see, uh, after what happened to him in the finals with J.R. Smith, LeBron was like, yo, everyone in Cleveland needs to learn how to count, okay? <laughs> We're gonna make sure that that doesn't happen again. And although this is a really beautiful story of philanthropy, it does raise the question of why communities need celebrities to provide services that should be provided by the government, you know? No one should be out there going, I hope my team wins the Super Bowl so they can buy us a fire department. You don't want that. But look, we don't have the time to talk about all of that because the situation between Iran and the U.S. just took an unexpected turn. President Trump also making news on Iran tonight. After ripping up the Iran nuclear deal and then exchanging harsh words with the Iranian president, Today, President Trump declaring he would meet with the Iranian president. No preconditions, no. They want to meet, I'll meet. Anytime they want. Anytime they want. It's good for the country, good for them, good for us, and good for the world. With President Trump's offer of a face-to-face meeting with Rouhani, Iran immediately took the upper hand. The Iran Fars News Agency reporting that it sees no value in a face-to-face meeting. Wow. Wow, Iran. I mean, I know Iran seems extreme, but I get why they're not eager to meet with Trump. Because you've got to admit, he blows hot and cold like one of those psycho boyfriends. He's like, Iran, you will suffer consequences the likes of which fruit throughout history have suffered before. I'm so sorry, Iran. I'm so sorry, man. I I haven't had my Big Mac today, man. Can we meet? Can we meet? I'll meet you wherever. Where do you want to meet? Where do you want to meet? I just want to talk to you before I bomb you into the stone. You know what? Let's buy a puppy. You want to get a puppy? I want to get a puppy with you, man. I just just want to get a puppy. Crazy. And look, I, I understand why Iran would think a meeting with Trump would be unproductive, right? He's totally unreliable. But if they take a page out of North Korea's book, Iran might be able to use that to their advantage. Now to North Korea and evidence it may be building new long-range missiles. These new satellite images, according to the Washington Post, showing construction of one or possibly two liquid-fueled ICBMs at a facility on the outskirts of Pyongyang. This would seem to validate concerns that North Korea had absolutely no intention of getting rid of its nuclear weapons, despite Kim's very vague promises following the summit that took place in June. So Kim Jong-un made a promise to Trump and then did the opposite. (laughs) Which basically means Trump is getting a taste of his own medicine. Although not literally, because knowing Trump's doctor, his actual medicine is probably Vicodin laced with ostrich semen. (laughs) But you know what I mean. And, And you know, you know Trump will never admit that he got played by Kim Jong-un, right? Like North Korea could 
fire a nuke at San Francisco and Trump would be like, that was actually part of the deal. They have a hall pass for one boom boom a year. One boom boom a year, folks. We'll be right back. Cinnamon Hitler took office. There have been plenty of campaign promises that he hasn't fulfilled. Uh, building the wall, repealing Obamacare, and of course, adding a swimsuit competition to the SATs. But one promise Trump did keep was passing a giant tax cut. And since it went into effect eight months ago, business is booming. In fact, last quarter, GDP hit 4% growth, which is impressive. The economy in America has been growing so fast. If it were a sixth grader, it would be that weird boy with the awkward mustache who doesn't know how to shave yet. You know, that kid is just like, I woke up one morning and my GDP was huge. <laughs> but, but while it's true, while it's true that corporate profits are much higher these days, the idea was that they would pass some of that money along to the people who work for them. It's a theory known as trickle down. Right? which I'm sure is what piqued President Trump's interest immediately. He was like, finally, all America will be showered with gold. A golden shower, if you will, folks. <laughs> the problem, the problem is that so far, corporations have been keeping the extra cash for themselves. So far, the biggest investments have been made in stock buybacks, $700 billion worth in the first two quarters, meaning these tax savings are bypassing workers and going straight into shareholders' pockets. Real hourly pay of middle-class workers has risen just 0.4% over the last 18 months. A new analysis by Americans for Tax Fairness found that only 4% of workers got a pay raise as a result of the tax bill. That's right. For the most part, corporations just pass their tax cuts onto stockholders. You know, it's starting to seem like when Trump promised he'd help the forgotten man, he was specifically referring to an eccentric old billionaire who never leaves his mansion. He was like, we must never forget about Mortimer, folks. Never forget him. He saves all these boogers in one big jar and we love him so much. So great, tasty boogers. But the fact is, the fact is, Trump promised a tax cut for everyone. And so far, it's gone almost entirely to the wealthy. That's not a great look. So with the midterms less than 100 days away, the administration has come up with a bold new idea. The New York Times reports the Trump administration is considering a $100 billion tax cut that would mainly benefit the rich. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin uh, said that his department was studying whether it could use its regulatory powers to allow Americans to account for inflation in determining capital gains tax liability. The Times says that independent analyses suggest that more than 97% of the benefits of indexing capital gains for inflation would actually go to the top 10% in America. Yes, the White House is now planning even more tax cuts that will overwhelmingly benefit the rich, including, by the way, big real estate owners like President Trump. And at this point, it feels like Trump is just trying to get his way with as much as possible before Robert Mueller gets him, you know? Yeah, it's like he's a shoplifter in a Circle K who sees the cops come in and just starts shoving candy into his pockets. He's like, okay, okay, you got me, but these are mine. I keep these now, I keep them all. For more on the proposed tax cuts, we turn to a man who's watched Wolf of Wall Street three times, Michael Costa, everybody. Bonjour, Trev. That's rich for hello. <laughs> okay, uh, Costa, hopefully you can explain. Trump already gave wealthy people a huge tax cut last year. 
Why give them another one? Uh, cool it with the class warfare, Ocasio-Cortez. Okay, just, it just so happens that anyone can take advantage of these tax cuts. For example, let's say you made a cool mill last year off a $10 million hedge fund investment. Now you can re-index that baseline 2% to account for inflation, which means you just got an extra 30K. I mean, that'll cover my penis reduction surgery. Am I right, Trevor? <laughs> I can even loan you a couple inches. I'm just kidding. I know you got a hog. Awesome. Most people don't have $10 million. We're talking about the middle class. Okay, middle class, that's fine. Let's say you're a middle class yacht owner, like 35 feet max, couldn't land a helicopter on that thing. You can just use these cuts as a tax shelter, borrow 500,000 to invest in your buddy Dino's revenge porn business, then you can deduct that interest and only pay tax on the inflation adjusted gains. Trevor, I say cha, you say ching, cha. Cha! Do you want to say cha? Costa, I, I feel like there's no way you actually understand what you just said. Uh, of course I don't, Trevor. That's why I have a broker. He'll clear this up, okay. Hey, Chandler, what's up, you bitch? Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to explain monies to my boss. How's this tax thing work again? What, right now? You are right, go! Go, I'll see you at Polo. I got his voicemail. Costa, why do you have a broker, man? I know for a fact that you're not rich. Yeah, not yet. But Donald Trump promised Americans that we're all gonna be rich, and he's never lied before. So call me poor, Trevor. Don't call me poor, Trevor. Call me pre-rich. So, okay, wait, wait. Then how much is your net worth right now? How much is an iPhone worth? About $900. Well, then I'm worth $900, baby. What up? Michael Costa, everyone. We'll be right back. He's got a Tonight is a Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter who has written hits for Macklemore, Rihanna, Beyonce, and just wrapped a festival tour with Eminem. Please welcome Skylar Grey. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. And uh, congratulations coming off the successful tour with Eminem. Is Eminem one of those people who is like super like hardcore whenever we see him, but then he's just like a softy and a sweetheart in real life? Kinda. Yeah. yeah. He's I, really fun. I feel like Eminem's like in the booth and he's like, look at all the people in the double, the double, and then he comes up and he's like, hi. He's like, he's one of the funniest people I've ever met. You always dreamed of working with Eminem, which is which is what I found amazing about your story is is you talk about how you were first introduced to the idea of maybe like singing on an Eminem song when Stan came out. Yeah, I heard that song when I was like 13 and it was kind of my first um, experience loving hip hop. Right. And then it kind of, I deep down had this dream of wanting to work with rappers even though I was a folk singer. Right. Um, <laughs> so it was a little odd, but then um, I ended up working with him, so. How does how does that Total story let's, how does that story begin? Let's go let's go to the beginning. So you 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 get into folk singing, and this is is this is this a family thing or is yeah. this just the music you? My mom um, and I had a folk duo, and I started performing with her when I was six years old, and then I went solo when I was fourteen. <laughs> she wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> mom, I am leaving you, but I still need you to drop me at all my gigs. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and then I moved to LA when I was seventeen, got a record deal. Things fell apart, I went broke, and I left LA for a while, um, 
and I had a bad taste in my mouth about the music industry in general. And out in the woods in Oregon, I fell back in love with music and um, decided I had to figure out a way to make a living at it because I wasn't good at anything else. Right. I was a high school dropout and all the jobs I tried, I sucked at. So <laughs> I was like, music has to work. <laughs> um, and so I reached out to my publisher and I was like, how can we do this? And, and she um, had just signed a guy named Alex the Kid, a producer, um, and she connected us on email, and that's how Love the Way You Lie happened. It was like the first song after this soul-searching experience. Now that you've worked in hip-hop, is, is that like, is that where you see your home now? Is that something that we could, we could see as like a folk hip-hop new genre that comes to light? Um, no, you know, I've had so much fun working in hip-hop and working with rappers, and I'll continue to do that, right. I think, forever. Um, but I think what my forte is, is just sitting at a piano or a guitar and playing a great song. And so um, that's what I'm going to do with my solo stuff. If you were to meet someone in your position who was starting out and they say to you, hey, Skylar, this is what I want to do. These are my dreams. This is where I want to get to. How do you tell somebody the story and then tell them to, like, power through the failure part? Because how did you know that you would make it out on the other side? Because you might say to someone, Man, just keep doing it. For a minute, I thought I wasn't going to do music right. anymore. But it's in my blood, and I can't get away from it. So what do you tell people? Do you go like, hey, you're going to fail a lot? Yeah. You just have to be able to deal with rejection on the daily. And then once in a while, something great will happen. I like that. And that has to, you know, keep you going through the rest of it. It's like an inspirational but very realistic speech that you mm -hmm. give to. You're going to fail, well, kid. And, and also... <laughs> <laughs> also, you just have to love what you do and not focus on the accolades and um, the success of a song. Focus on having a great time making the song. Right. And then you're going to be happy no matter what. Do you think that was one of the issues with going out to L.A.? Because, you, you know, as an artist, you, you, you go out to Los Angeles, and then because it's such an industry place, you can get stuck in that world of what does the industry think, what do people think of you as an artist, and then you go to Oregon, and you just, like you said, you're in the woods. So it's like the animals, they're just like, yeah, we don't listen to music. Is that what you're going to do now? Is that, are you going to find no, a way to keep Oregon... No, I was talking to myself in the woods. I was my only... Seriously, I was my only feedback. So it was, I was my only opinion out there. Did which... you, because now, now I'm picturing you as like one of those Disney princesses who like sing to the animals and then they, they like stick their heads out and like, and then the animal's like, yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I think I definitely had some Snow White moments. Yeah, like yeah. Like that, yeah. Wait, so looking at your career now, because I mean, now you're just on the up. I mean, like to have Beyonce and Eminem singing your hooks and singing your songs, songs that you've written to, to have so much success, do you now struggle with that balance between going back to a place like L.A.? Or, or do you go like, no, I am, I am an Oregon person. I am in the woods forever. I you live will in find Napa Valley now. I live with my fiancé on an amazing ranch. Oh. Yeah. So do you have animals? Yeah, we have sheep. The same ones from the woods? Oh, there's, <laughs> there's lots of wild animals. Oh, I thought you, like, brought them. You're like, yo, you guys were here from the beginning, and I got to take y'all with me. And then they all got in the car and like, yeah, road trip! And you guys went out. That would have been, like, an amazing yeah. story. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so what are you looking forward to now? I'm looking forward to creating my own, you know, sound and, and music for the world to hear. Right. Outside of the rapping... Uh -huh. Collaboration. You should get them to collaborate on yours. So now we need Eminem coming in and doing the hook I on your album. I have done that on some. Oh, you some have. Stuff. Yeah, I have done that. But singing. On previous albums. No, um, I, no, I'm saying Eminem should come and sing. Oh, and, and I should rap. Yeah, <laughs> you should just like flip the genre. That would be interesting. I'm just saying it would be mind blowing <laughs> if Eminem comes in and then he's like, I walk on water. I'll ask him about it. You ask him. 
but don't tell him I said that. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Stand up great, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.